Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the videocast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. Speaking of traveling the world, we're currently in the Philippines, and unfortunately, this part of the Philippines doesn't have good Wi-Fi, so apologies in advance for any Wi-Fi issues we may have during this call. Super excited for our guest today. His name is Ralph, Ralph Velasco, and he is the founder of Tour Organizer Training, TOT for short, and also he does photo enrichment adventures. Um, so if you're if you're interested or if you've been considering running your own tours, uh, no matter what area it is, specialized tours, yoga, um, you know, business uh, retreats, even uh, photography as well, then we'll, you're going to be getting a lot of insights from Ralph's expertise and experience. So Ralph, uh, how are you doing today, my friend? Hey there, I'm really good. Nice to be here. Thanks. And thanks for being on. So, Ralph, um, to start off with, let's get to know you a little bit better. Why don't you share a little bit more of your background and how you got so passionate about travel yourself? Sure. For uh, the past 10 years, full-time, I've been organizing and leading tours around the world. And uh, that's through my company, Photo Enrichment Adventures, which I started part 14 years ago. I was a financial advisor at the same time uh, that I was doing this part-time, and so grew very slowly. And then in September of 2008, we had the financial crisis, which uh, was kind of the kick in the pants that I needed to that into, which I really enjoy at all, and get into this full-time. So since uh, the day of the financial day after crisis, I've been doing time. So we're up on our 10-year anniversary. Uh, so I've been organizing leading trips uh, around the world to places like Morocco, Cambodia, Vietnam, India, Europe. Uh, I've done Cuba 17 times now. And uh, so to expand my business, I couldn't possibly lead any more trips because I'm already on uh, at least nine months out of the year now. I'm location independent, so I don't really have a home uh, in Chicago, hometown. But uh, to uh, supplement my income, t uh, to, to expand my business, I couldn't possibly lead any more tours. So I decided to create tour organizer training where I'm teaching people how to organize and lead their own special interest tours, whether it's uh, yoga retreats or uh, business retreats, photography, foodie tours, etc. So uh, that's through a, a free webinar and online course. Sounds amazing. You know, just the fact that you've done so much travel yourself, but not only done that, but you've also organized so many tours yourself. And now you've taken it to the next level by helping others organize their tours as well. So let's break down those three things uh, because uh, we've got a lot to talk about on the show. Firstly, in terms of your own travels, let's hear about some of your favorite uh, cities, countries, continents, any special areas of the world that have really left a lasting impression on your soul and of course on your lens. Yeah, so I, I love Asia, uh, one of my favorite places to go, and uh, I just love the people, the food, uh, the photo opportunities, uh, activities, it's uh, uh, the history, uh, very, very interesting, and also uh, Romania is another favorite. I'm actually leaving in about three, four days to uh, lead our rustic and rural Romania trip. So this will be about my fifth 
or sixth time doing that trip. And that's another wonderful kind of off the beaten destination. But uh, what I look for in a destination uh, with regards to leading a tour there is uh, uh, the fact that it's, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, wonderful people, food, all the cultural aspects of travel, but also for my guests that it has a good tourist infrastructure. Romania absolutely has that. And uh, hoping I didn't just lose you because I lost video on your end. <laughs> but uh, I'll keep going here. <laughs> so um, what other what other places? I love uh, all of Europe. But, uh, there's hardly a place in Europe that I, I don't like. I can't even think of one. But uh, another country that uh, I was in about... 30 years ago now, over 30 years ago, for just a couple of days, uh, was Lisbon, Portugal. So I was, I was in the, the, the city of Lisbon just for about three days, and, uh, a pillage trip. And I just went back this and last year to do some scouting for a future trip uh, that I'm putting together for 2018. Uh, and so I absolutely fell in love with Portugal. And I uh, got to see much more of the country. Uh, I used to call Spain the other Italy because Italy gets all the press and everyone knows it and just wants to go there, which is very understandable. But I think that Spain has uh, everything that Italy has, uh, but it's uh, somewhat less touristed and it has everything that it does, uh, Italy. And now I kind of think of Portugal as the other Spain. And so um, I absolutely fell in love with the food, the fresh seafood. I love uh, grilled seafood anywhere in the world. And, um, but also just amazing history, culture, music, people, landscapes, uh, has everything that I look for. And what I love about it too is that everything is within uh, about an hour's drive. And so some of the countries that I go to that, uh, you know, if we need to get from one major destination to another, uh, it could be a full day driving. And so you're, you're sitting in the, in the saddle for um, upwards of six, eight hours, where in Portugal, it's such a small but diverse country that uh, but you could be from one place to another within an hour, and it's a completely different location with different vibe and uh, experience. And so to me, that's, uh, that's just a, a, an added bonus and a luxury uh, to be able to get from one place to another in 30 to 60 minutes and you're in a completely different, uh, you got completely different feel to the place. So uh, it's, it's everything that I look for in, in a destination with a group or on my own. Sounds great, Ralph. Obviously, you're, you're an avid photographer and you're teaching and training and doing tours about photography. So I wouldn't be doing it justice if I didn't ask you your top tips on travel photography for us who are maybe not as experienced and who are more amateur. Any advice or uh, suggestions uh, for becoming better at travel photography for people, landscapes, food and more? Yeah, so... Um I always say one of the easiest things that you could do to improve your photography, uh, uh, Patrick Symes, who's a, a travel photographer, it's like getting up early, then be a writer. And so photography, the word photography means to paint with light. And so uh, 
being aware of the direction and quality of light is so important. And when I say get up early, I'm not, not talking about uh, three, four o'clock in the morning for every single sunrise. I'm simply talking about getting out there. Uh, and I, I do mostly uh, urban photography. So I like to be at there seven, seven thirty when the kids are on their way to school, people are on their way to work. And, um, those are the people that I want in my photographs and doesn't matter what kind of camera you have, uh, what kind of experience you have, you need to be in the right place at the right time to be able to capture and you know, to be able to even be amongst the photo opportunity. Uh, and then you can start to worry about the technical aspects of it, which I am not a technical photographer whatsoever. So, uh, being aware of the quality and direction of light, being in the right place at the right time, which is usually uh, early in the day or later in the evening, it's early in the day because a lot of other tourists are out later in the day, but almost none are out early in the morning. And so it's just you and the lulls and the people that in my photographs. Uh, the other thing is to be very aware of your backgrounds and, uh, you know, fucking out of someone's head and we didn't realize that we all do it i still do it till this day at times but and so i'm all very aware of what's going on in the background also in the foreground because this can happen in the foreground as well and uh but being aware of what's going on in the distance that could affect your your subject and and uh, for the most part, I'm talking about people photography. So you don't want that telephone pole or that tree branch sticking out. Of That's a huge, huge tip. But also, I like to, uh, I call it manipulating the scene, where I move around the scene, my subject, so that the background changes, my perspective changes as I move around the subject. So I may want to block something out in the back want in my photograph, or I may want to reveal something that's going to add to the story. So perhaps I'm graphing a, a toy uh, tribesman in, in the desert of Morocco, and then there's a camel train going by in the distance. I mean, that's going to add to the story instead of just a portrait, a tight portrait of someone. So um, that's referred to an environmental portrait where you've got more of the scene to tell the story. Uh, because uh, those uh, a real tight portrait could almost be made anywhere in the world. But when you've got the camel train in the distance going across a desert dune, uh, chances are it's it's you know really in the desert. Uh, so uh, adding to the story way and uh, what else? Uh, you know, th those are really my top three tips. And I, I think anyone with any kind of camera, whether it's a smartphone to a high-end DSLR, can get better photographs if they're just aware of the quality and direction of light, their background, and adding to or taking away you know, things that are happening in the background to tell the story. Um, and also, uh, just travel photographers we are uh, we're storytellers, so we want to go to these wonderful places. Uh, any kind of photographer does. You want to? I want to share the things that I've seen, the people I've met, and so tell the story of that three hundred of even the most beautiful portraits, just tight portraits of people. 
what about the recreation, um, architecture, all these other parts? Sorry, I have an iPhone app I created called My Shot Lists for Travel. And it's, uh, it's just based on the idea of working from a shot list. Uh, it's available only on a variety of images that tells the story of the place, not just, uh, you know, 300 selfies or just pictures of monuments or plates of food. How are you going to tell the story that conveys and captures the essence of the place for the viewers of your photography, whether it's a gallery on your website, uh, a series of images you're putting up on social media, uh, or a book that you're creating? So. Well, people want to, to feel like they were there and it's just one category. So create a variety of images that tells the story of the place. Some amazing advice and tips there. And of course, I'd recommend joining Ralph on one of his tours so you can get more of a hands-on practical experience. He can give you feedback as you go. So you've done almost a decade of tours around the world. So tell us about um, you, how, do you, how do you organize it in terms of like uh, picking the location, coordinating um, all the logistics and uh, marketing it and getting people to actually pay and attend. Uh, give us some of your top strategies uh, regarding running your own photography tours. Yeah, so uh, with the tour organizer training program, which I their own trips uh, kind of came out of the fact that I was trying to uh, put together all in these trips and this was for my assistant so that she could all so I started to think about all the different aspects of organizing and leading a tour to seven steps uh, or the seven modules as they turned out in the program and the first one is the pre-scouting phase so this is uh, working with a local tour operator in the destination to help you put together your scouting trip the actual scouting trip when you go to and just try the hotels meet the people uh, go through the trip so that you can and then incumbent phase is the scouting trip itself. The third phase is the post-scouting trip. So you've finished the scouting trip. Now you've had those experiences, done those things. And typically on a scouting trip, I'll probably do two to three times the amount of uh, activities and, and, and some more things than I'll actually put together a trip because uh, it's a lot easier for me to travel very quickly um, by myself than with a group of eight or 10 people. And so, um, and I don't always need an hour or two in a place. I might only need 15 or 30 minutes in a place to get a feel for it, get my shot. We're on to the next thing. So those scouting trips can be very, very fast moving. Uh, the next thing is building up to the group trip. So you have to create all, you know, the web page and the, the documents you need to, for people to register. Um, uh, sort your images to help market and, and uh, all those things, getting the preliminary information to help your people to uh, make the travel as easy as possible. So I feel one of my major jobs as, as a tour leader is making it as easy as possible on my clients 
so that when they get there, uh, you know, they don't f realize that they didn't have the right plug adapter or uh, how the money works or that they should have gotten some inoculations, uh, you know, things like that, that are, it seem, uh, seem pretty simple to a, a well-traveled person, uh, but you don't always think of those things. It's like, yeah, I, I was in Costa Rica scouting not too long ago and the, the tour operator there give me uh, a lot of pre-trip information. They just assumed that I knew it um, because I, I'm pretty well traveled. But, you know, when I got there, I'm like, wait, what kind of, this was a couple of days before I got there. I was like, wait a minute, I haven't even thought about what kind of plug adapters they use down there. You know, how am I going to charge all out in, uh, the U.S. standard of, of plugs? So it wasn't uh, much of an issue, but most of the world is not and so you got to you got to know these things um, then you've got the actual trip itself where you're in the destination with your clients and so that's about uh, giving them providing them the service uh, the the education that you promise where with me it's the photography it might be providing the yoga instruction or getting them to uh, you know the the foodie places that that you're providing if foodie tour things like that um, I also recommend getting testimonials from your clients in the destination so that uh, you've got these uh, these wonder you know you're in a you've got your smartphone out and you just hey Joe would you mind giving me a quick testimonial how you're enjoying the trip and then in the background you wonderful Cosmo in Morocco or landscape in Copper Canyon Mexico so whatever that is but you're getting those testimonials in the destination uh, and then you've got the breakdown. So you've done the trip with the group, and now you need to see what worked, what you might have done better, how you can improve the trips. I'm always improving my trips as possible. So I mentioned that I've done Cuba now 17 times, uh, but I'm always looking to make that trip better. So I'm writing on taking notes constantly. Uh, I typically use Evernote. And, uh, you know, who did I meet? Uh, maybe we need to get there earlier or I take this activity off the calendar uh, itinerary because it didn't work or add this one because I found it while I was there. Uh, that kind of thing, always improving. And uh, finally, for the seventh level in the course is to rinse and repeat. So now you've gone through all these steps, you've created this wonderful trip, do it again. It was fun, you made some money, you enjoyed it, your people enjoyed it, do it again. And, uh, and it should be that much easier because you've already created all those documents, got the web page, you just need to update them. And uh, then with a little bit of tweaking, you can do the trip again uh, the next year or the next time. I typically run my trips, I scout a year in advance of when I'll actually do the trip because I want to be there in the right season, the same time of year, um, like I'm leaving for Romania on Saturday. Uh, we want to be there during the hay harvest, and that only happens a couple times a year. We always go late August, early September, uh, and I want to get pictures during that period, and then I bring my group back a year later, and then I'll do the trip every year at that time. I hope that uh, gives you a pretty good overview. 
That was an amazing overview. You went through the steps, and of course, I recommend people get the online course to go into much detail. Uh, you know, much more details in terms yeah. of what you've uh, suggested. Uh, what would you What would you say is the hardest part? Uh, would you say it's the marketing, um, getting people to actually commit and pay, uh, the scouting, or the actual tour itself? Uh, tell us about what you What have you found is the hardest for you, for yourself, and also some of your students? Well, uh, at the beginning, it's uh, if you don't have much of a following, uh, you know, when I started out uh, 10, 12 years ago, there there was really no social media. I mean, Facebook uh, was, uh, you know, barely a glint in uh, Mark Zuckerberg's eye and Twitter and all these things where now we can uh, advertise and create communities around uh, our, our special interests, which I highly recommend that you do, uh, those things weren't really around. Blogs were just coming to be. There weren't webinars and on courses and all the things that we could do. Email marketing wasn't a big thing. I had zero email list, no following whatsoever. So it can be done even without those things. Uh, without, now we've got those tools. So I, um, you know, you, you have to build some sort of a following because you want people to to travel with you and uh, but you got to get the word out and so social media is one of the the easiest and least expensive ways to do it but at times I, I encourage people not to give up or feel like you know well I have no following I have no email list I can't do this that's not true. I've done it and it's never so uh, just getting people onto the trip can be a challenge at the beginning but you can do it I did it you know 10 and I spent around this. So it, it definitely can be done. Um, what I love to do during the trip too, now that social media and the experiences that I'm having uh, with people anyway, but uh, it's a bit of a Trojan horse in places sharing these photographs. Um, you know, people are starting to salivate a little bit about how wonderful the place is. I'm meeting, photographing, the things I'm experiencing, and, you know, they're, oh, Ralph, that sounds fantastic. Put me on the interest. Uh, uh, add me to the list. Want to go next or send me more information when you put the trip together. So uh, that's something that's uh, really good to do, do while you're in the destination. Say buzz while you're there. And, uh, and usually for me, it's in the form of Facebook blog, Instagram post, uh, you know, some new tweets. I'm, I'm mostly on Facebook because that's and, and you should be where your people are. So if you know your audience, you have to be way on. So then the age group that travel on my trips, which the sweet spots like 40s to 70s, a little bit older folks, and, and that they're most on Facebook. They're not on Twitter too much, Snapchat, things like that. You know, some of them are, they're moving to Instagram, but be where your following is. And so, um, those, those are some, some big tips for that. And, uh, you know, the challenging part, uh, as I've been doing this now, 10 years time is just the physical travel. So, um, I mentioned, I just got back from Copper Canyon, Mexico, days ago, three days I'm looking for, yeah, so I've got these f five days in between to kind of, you know, break down from the Copper Cannon 
trip, lead up to the Romania trip, all my other things done, you know, uh, you see the dentist, uh, uh, do, do things that you need to do just to, to maintain life. And uh, now I'm going into to Romania with a group. And at, right after that, I'm scouting Armenia and Georgia. Then I'm going back to Portugal to scout. So there's a lot, lot of move around. Um, and, uh, you know, being on a schedule, planes, trains, and automobiles. So it's the physical part that uh, you do this, do uh, starts to become a challenge. But uh, you get better at it, of course. And then uh, and I love and it. I, Travel, but um, also appreciate being in a place for a period of time, even one week when I don't have to pack and unpack every two, three days. Uh, being in one place for a week is really a luxury. Yeah, thank you for sharing about that. I can imagine, uh, obviously, the travel back and forth. And even like in this five days, you managed to squeeze in our podcast. So thank you for that in the midst of the Mexico trip and the Romania trip. Glad we were able to get you on here. So I'm curious to know about uh, the actual one of your most popular tours. Maybe, right. maybe it's the Cuba one or one of the European ones. Um, how does your typical itinerary look like if it's a seven-day tour? How does it look like from the, the, the each day? Can you maybe paint a picture of how that looks like for us? Yeah, good question. Um, so my trips generally have similar format in that I provide about a half-day scheduled activities and a half-day free time on average. I don't provide all meals on purpose. I know some people like you know, well, I you know, want everything included. I don't want to have to think about anything. I think that. Uh, I trips are from six to 11 participants and I get great people on my trips, really wonderful people that mostly become very good friends of mine. So I get to travel with over 40% of people return to our trips over and over again. So on average, four out of 10 people have traveled with me before. And um, so that scheduled half day free time, the people that travel on my trips, they're looking for that. They want the framework of a, an organized trip which I do, and we pretty much provide everything from soup to nuts except for the person's flight to and from the destination. So we tell where to be one when, when eve after at the end of the trip, and they could add days before or after if they like. Um, but when we're there, we've got this framework, and I try to stay in a place anywhere from two to four nights. So I try to avoid one-night stays in, in location, but sometimes it does happen as we're just going from one place or there's not that much to do in a place and, and one night will, will suffice. But typically two to four days and uh, two to four nights in a place so we're not packing and unpacking all of them. Uh, but that half day of free time allows people to go out on their own and explore, make experiences, go out on their own or with their friend or spouse that they came with or someone they met on the trip. Uh, they can uh, choose to skip a meal if, uh, if no one's ever gone hungry on my trips. So uh, oftentimes people want to skip a meal or go high end or find a restaurant on TripAdvisor and go there, go out in small groups, but they don't feel like they have to be with the whole group 24-7. And so that attracts a certain type of traveler that comfortable with that time. Uh, they don't feel like they're held, and if there is free time, uh, they're twiddling their thumbs wondering what to do. They can't wait to have that. So they want the structure 
and framework of an organized trip, but they also want that free time. So for my types of clients, it works out really, really well. So maybe you can give us a rough uh, price point for the tours in terms of like the lowest price to the highest point and um, what's included, what's not included. You mentioned obviously flights, they got to cover that, yeah, you mentioned so some meals, et cetera. Yeah, pretty much everything's included except the flight to and from the destination and some meals. So uh, everything from the guides, the local travel, transportation, air transfer in the destination, any internal flights, local guides, all tips. Um, uh, on average, two meals a day, breakfast and one other meal per day. All the group activities are included. Everything is included, but there's still that free price point anywhere from about $3,800 to about $5,500. just depends on the destination, the length of the trip, uh, how much is included, uh, you know, some, you know, is start going to Iceland or uh, up there because they're just expensive destinations. But uh, I can do a two-week trip to Cambodia or Vietnam for about 4000 all in. So that's, uh, uh, and for some people that might seem very pricey, but remember work that goes into this and the fact that you've got the services of uh, myself, the local guides, translators, everyone that these trips together, you can absolutely put your own uh, uh, less expensive, but you know, you've got to do all the work. Now all the one and my people, the people that are attracted to my types of trips, they love the idea that all they need to do is, is put their you know, flight to and from the destination, and many of them just show up. And they haven't even read the itinerary. They just know uh, that I'm going to put together a trip that they enjoy because uh, they, they've been with me before many of them. Um, but uh, that I, I think that gives you a pretty good idea. Um, it, I, I, I don't to fill their free time. Yeah, th that's a great uh, summary there, Ralph. And I can imagine there's obviously a risk element with any kind of tour like this in terms of people getting hurt, people getting injured, uh, accidents happening. So tell us about the insurance component. I know a lot of people considering doing tours, they're like, oh man, what if something happens, right? The worst case scenario. So talk about uh, how the insurance sides of organizing your tour and also potential other uh, tours works. Yeah, so uh, there's there's different kinds of insurance. So uh, I highly recommend that my clients get protect their investment in the trip. So they've given me four or five thousand uh, dollars, and then I don't know they have a family or they get sick or injured before a trip, and they have to cancel. Well, I've already got expenses that I've paid. I may have already paid the tourist back. So they need to cover their investment with uh, uh, what can be very based on your age, uh, what your home country is, where you're going to, the length of the trip. But on my, you can go to my website at photoenrichment.com uh, and look for products. And then there's a drop down 
and under insurance, they can go and get quote and see how much it is to add insurance to uh, a trip. And it's very inexpensive. Again, it's based on uh, age and uh, it, I think it only goes up to a certain age and pre-existing conditions aren't covered, of course, but uh, a very inexpensive and a great way to protect your investment in a trip. So uh, maybe on a $4,000 trip, it might be $140, which is a, a really good way to hedge your bet if something does happen and, and it, it can happen. Now, over 80 trips that I've done, I've probably had three that I can recall. Uh, so it, it doesn't well, happen too often, but I, th I think it's a, a really good investment for if you're, if you're, if you're speaking right now, but um, if I can, continue hopefully any have any insurance i of course have insurance for uh, things that happen during the trip that per client in the destination and we always have local tour operators in the destination that can help us again if i think about it i don't know that we've ever had a real emergency And see on any of the sprained an ankle, uh, uh, hurt a wrist, but uh, knock on wood, I think this has to do a lot with all the pre-trip preparation that we give people, uh, letting yeah, in Cuba, so letting people know as much information about it as, as possible in advance to uh, anything happening there. Now, uh, again, I do pay insurance myself. I pay a premium yearly for my business and of the amount of volume that I do and the, the amount of, this is uh, something that I absolutely recommend. Um, that that people do. Yeah, no, I definitely, uh, um, you know, I, you know, you'd be blessed that only a few different incidences in over 80 trips, and, but it's obviously good uh, and important to, to cover anything that could happen. So thanks for sharing that. So in conclusion, uh, Ralph, I'm curious to know what's your vision forward. So you've done all these 80 tours, you're always scouting for new, new locations. What's the vision for your company? Are you planning to hire other guides or are you planning to do it 100% yourself? Uh, what other cities or countries? Yeah, so I am. Yeah, you're cutting out quite a bit. Uh, if you're asking about the vision for the company, uh, I'm always scouting uh, new destinations. This year alone, um, scouting uh, Costa Rica. So four new trips this year, which is is actually on the the, the high end of what I would normally do. But typically, scouting one or two new trips a year, and so always adding to that portfolio of trips that. that are I only run eight or 10, 11 maybe trips per year. 
uh, but I'm always rotating trips in and out. So I, uh, like I said, I, I Cuba I've done 17 times and I used to do it four times a year. Uh, now I do it once a year. So I've got three other trips that I could do to other destinations. Uh, it keeps my interest, of course. Uh, I like to go to, to new places myself, but also it brings, uh, it, it's other product for my clients who are coming back on my trips anywhere from eight, 10, even 15 times I've got for new destinations. So I've always got them in the back of my mind of, uh, you know, where should we go? go to next and, and the people that are attracted my trips know those destinations they i'm and they i kind of feel like if if i'm interested in the place there's a, a very good chance that uh, uh, even a subset of my clients are going to be as well and i can uh, create those trips for them Awesome, Ralph. Uh, so in conclusion, um, how can people connect with you? They might be interested in the photography side of what you do, because obviously you have your tours, plus also you have your podcast, which we didn't get a chance to talk. Uh, yeah, so um, how can people connect? Yeah, sure. I'm available on all the social media networks, both at Ralph Velasco and at Photo Enrichment. And uh, you mentioned the podcast. I've got at a travel and photography podcast that I co-host with a good friend of mine, uh, Italian travel photographer, Ugo Che, and that's called the Traveling Image Makers Podcast, and that's at ttim.photo. That's the website URL. It's not .com. ttim.photo stands for the Traveling Image Makers. But uh, to see all my trips, uh, go to photoenrichment.com, look for tours, and you can see all the trips we have coming up. Uh, just announced Portugal yesterday for 2019 when you're listening to this. Uh, but also look for me on Facebook, friend me there. That would be wonderful. And uh, training program at tourorganizertraining.com. And people can join the next free webinar. Always email me too at ralph at photoenrichment.com. Perfect. Uh, lots of different ways to connect. So I highly encourage uh, you uh, to connect with Ralph on his website. Definitely uh, subscribe to him on iTunes and his uh, amazing podcast. He has a Facebook group connected to the podcast as well if you're interested in travel photography. And, uh, you know, sign up for one of his upcoming tours. Uh, they sound phenomenal in terms of uh, the tours themselves. And uh, if you're interested in running your own tours, of course, uh, he, uh, Ralph has the webinar and online course as well. So Ralph, uh, it's been a joy and a pleasure to chat with you in the midst of your hectic travel schedule. Wishing you the best as you head off to Romania in a few days and looking forward to connecting soon, my friend. Sounds great. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Rick. And uh, I need to get to, to the Philippines. That's uh, one of my uh, places that's on the top of my list. So perhaps we'll connect over there sometimes. And, and thank you very much to your audience for listening. Yeah, no, Philippines is definitely very beautiful. It's definitely a photographer's paradise with the beautiful rice fields, the amazing islands, the super friendly people, delicious food, and much more. So yeah, I look forward to connecting with you online and maybe even 
IRL in real life. So thanks, Ralph, and thanks, everyone, for tuning into this episode of Digital Nomad Mastery, where we not only teach you how to make money while traveling the world, but also to take better pictures and organize your own tours as well. So we'll catch up with you guys in the next episode. Happy travel.